Or are you like Hophni and Phinehas, playing with the fire? Whether it's the long run, the short run, whichever case it is, it will do you great harm. Adults, are you doing the work it takes to continue growing in maturity? We're going to see in a few minutes, Eli, Hophni and Phinehas' father, he's a sad example of what it looks like when an adult stops growing in character and stops listening to God. The end of Eli's life is going to be a tragedy, even if the beginning was a success. Are you working to become a deeper person? A person who can listen to God. This is what it takes. It takes character. C.S. Lewis, in one of his little stories titled The Magician's Nephew, he captured this same idea in a very poignant way. Now, fair warning, this might be a little strange if you haven't heard the story, but it's so worth it, so stick with me. The characters, mainly it's two children and a man named Uncle Andrew, They've discovered this magical land called Narnia, and here they meet a lion named Aslan. Now, Aslan is the creator, the ruler of the land, and he's a Christ-like figure in the world that Lewis is creating. And in this part of the story, Aslan is creating the land of Narnia. The way Lewis tells the story, it parallels Genesis 1 very much. He's creating the grass and the trees, and then he creates the animals. And the way that Aslan, the way that Lewis imagines Aslan creating is by singing. The children are afraid, but at the same time, they're too in awe to go anywhere. We're told that the lion was so big and bright, they couldn't even take their eyes off of him. And they couldn't help but listen to his singing. The, the children pay so close attention to his singing that they're even able to discover these patterns in the notes of the music and in the creation that's produced out of these, these notes. But Uncle Andrew has a completely different reaction to all of this. In fact, we're told that Uncle Andrew didn't want to believe a lion could be singing because it was making him think and feel things that he didn't want to think and feel. That is so unlike a man, isn't it? So instead of, so instead of listening to all this, Uncle Andrew tries to make himself believe that the lion isn't singing, that in fact he's roaring just like any other lion would be. Now here's the comment that Lewis makes about this. The trouble about trying to make yourself stupider than you really are is that you very often succeed. In fact, Uncle Andrew does succeed. He convinces himself the lion is only roaring, and from then on, all Uncle Andrew can hear from Aslan is a snarl. He becomes terrified of the lion, completely without reason. Now this may sound odd to some of you, but listen to one other way that Lewis sums this up. What you see and hear depends a good deal on where you are standing. It also depends on what kind of person you are. You see, the point that Lewis is making is the same point that the story in 1 Samuel is making. Uncle Andrew did not have the character to be able to listen to the lion, to be able to see the beauty of what this lion was creating and what he was singing. And so instead... 
Uncle Andrew refused to listen. And after a while, he could no longer hear him. To hear God, we must have the type of character that's capable of listening. Do you? Do you? Are you building up the kind of character that can listen to God when He speaks to you? How do we learn to listen to God? Well, we we do have to develop a character that's capable of listening. Second, we need a guide. We need a guide. God calls to Samuel three times. Samuel! And three times, Samuel mistakes God's voice for Eli's, running each time to Eli and saying, Here I am. Eli realizes the third time, Oh, I see what's happening here. Is this a comedy? What genre is this? Maybe it is. Or could it be, could it really be, that sometimes the voice of God is so subtle we can miss it. Or that it really can be mistaken for something else. Let me say this very clearly. Sometimes God is absolutely obvious. Sometimes God's voice is absolutely unmistakable. The mistake we make is assuming God always has to be this way. This is the mistake we make. If you want to take the Bible seriously here, you have to accept that God's voice isn't always unmistakable. It can be missed. In fact, you have to accept that often His voice has to be discerned. That God is speaking to each of us in lots of ways and at many times, but we have to learn to hear it. So how do we learn to discern God's voice in our lives? Through a guide. Through someone who can help us. Despite Eli's failures, which we're going to talk about, he is able to be a guide to Samuel, to tell him, this is God speaking to you. Here's what you need to do. I think this is one of the biggest and most arrogant mistakes that Christians make. We assume we can hear the God of all creation all on our own without the help of others. In practically every field of work throughout history to learn a skill, the first thing you have to do is become an apprentice. And the story here is telling us that hearing God is that kind of skill. To learn it, you have to start as an apprentice to someone who knows how to listen. And the likelihood is that you're going to have to return to apprenticeship over and over and over again to hear from God. Now, maybe it's not arrogance that keeps you from hearing God. Maybe it's this kind of a little bit of cynicism. You assume God wouldn't speak to you. Is he really speaking in all the little details of my life? He's the God of all creation. How could he do this? Would he really speak to me by name? You underestimate the simple ways God speaks to you through daily events. This story is telling us, it's calling us to believe that God really does speak to us by name, but we need a guide to learn to hear Him. So, do you have a guide? Are you willing to ask someone to help you? 
Do you have someone helping you look at your life and discern the ways of God? Or are you trying to do that on your own? One last thing here. This is part of a priest's or a pastor's job. This is why Eli can help Samuel, because he's a priest. And part of a priest's and pastor's job, their expertise is to help people hear God. To be able to discern God's voice in the nooks and crannies of life when it's not absolutely clear. This is why a portion of my work, all pastors' work, should be devoted to prayer. It doesn't look productive sometimes from the outside, but it's part of the center of the calling so that I can regularly listen to God and when you need help discerning His voice, I can help in some way. So this is what I do when I'm not receiving your meat sacrifices, stealing portions of the meat that you bring as I'm praying. How do we learn to hear God? To hear Him speaking to us personally. We grow in character. A character that's capable of listening and receiving His Word. But second, we need a guide. And third and last, to hear God, we have to be willing to obey. To continue hearing God, we have to be willing to obey. So, this is the first time Samuel has ever heard God speak to him, right? And the message is, I'm going to kill your boss and his family. Look, this doesn't happen in other lines of work, I don't think. The boss knows God is speaking to Samuel. He's going to demand that Samuel tell him what God said. Any other job, you get killed on the spot for telling your boss this. Can you imagine? Part of what Samuel is learning from the start is that when what God says isn't always going to be easy to bear. That there's a weight and a responsibility to be born every time we hear God. There's, there's kind of a follow-up that we have to do. That to bear the Word of God, we're going to have to trust Him. Now there's a piece to this story that's really easy to miss. Because our own words in English for hear, listen, and obey, these are all different words, Right? But in the Bible, these words are all one. Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Shema encapsulates all three. Hear, listen, obey. You see, tied together in one word is hear and obey. If you hear it, heed. Obey. And throughout this story, the word hear and obey is used. We've tried to incorporate this a little bit in our parenting. We often try to say listen and obey together because they belong together. And here's what this story warns us about. When you separate these, listen and obey, you will eventually lose the ability to listen. This is what happened with Eli's sons. They've stopped obeying. They're now incapable of listening. And soon they're going to meet their own end. But what about Eli? What about Eli? Why isn't God speaking to him? I have a feeling that Eli is a character a lot of us can relate to. He's not committed to evil like his sons are. 
He warns his sons that what they're doing isn't good. He helps out young Samuel. He mentors him. He receives the worst of news from God and he takes it. This is the Lord. Eli seems like a good guy. You almost even feel sorry for him a little bit. But there's a critical flaw in Eli. It's a flaw that's going to ruin his family. He's been unwilling to deal with his son's evil to the degree he should have. Despite having some character within himself, he's been overly passive. He had the power to change things, but he walked the middle of the road instead of taking a firm stance. He tried to negotiate it instead of just taking a stance. This, in the history of Christianity, is called a sin of omission. Sin is not only doing what we know is wrong. That's not all that sin is. It's refusing to do what's right. This is why when we confess our sins every week, like we did earlier in the service, we say we've sinned by what we've done and by what we have left undone. God is no longer speaking to Eli because over time, Eli has made a habit of not listening, of not obeying. Old age, gray hair, this is supposed to be a crown of wisdom so that you can turn to the next generation after many years of life and bless them. And while Eli is able to help Samuel, his old age is still tainted by a diminished character. He's lost his backbone. He's lost his spiritual edge. He still doesn't, he hasn't continued to define the difference between good and evil and to call out evil. This is why I say that we can relate to Eli because Eli is a, he's a mixed bag in a way. He's got so much good, but then there is this thing that's going to ruin his family. So what about you adults? Are you being resilient in your devotion to truth and goodness? Are you confronting evil and re restraining it in your own home and in your domain? Or are you tolerating it? This is very dangerous. And that's why this story is warning us about it. Also, remember again that Eli and his sons are priests in God's temple and God is jealous for his house. We are now God's temple. We are God's temple. He's jealous for us. And if we tolerate explicit evil here, we too will lose the capacity to hear God. To hear God. To learn to hear God. We have to develop a character that's capable of listening. We have to have a guide. We need help. And then we also have to obey. Or there will come a point that we won't be able to hear anymore. Now, 
these are dangers. These are warnings in our story so that we don't become like Eli or his sons. But the point of all of this is not to live in constant fear. Because shining much brighter than the warnings is an invitation in the story to become like Samuel. To learn to hear God. The story closes with God and His Word as the victor. And Samuel is His listening servant. The boy who wore his mother's outfits because he knows and hears God, is able to turn to the whole nation of Israel and bless them. It doesn't matter who you are, how old, how young, how good you've been up until now, or how bad. The God of all creation is always speaking. He's always calling each of us, each of you, by name. And the word that God speaks is of His Son, the living word. He calls you to come so that He can give you life. To learn to listen to Him so that you can find life. Are you learning to listen? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.